but one of the pages was missing, so hopefully nothing too important happened on that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the end of a chapter. I was like, it'll be fine. <laughs> it was probably just, you know, some big consequential mental shift or emotional breakthrough. <laughs> I figured it wouldn't matter as long as, like, I figured you could tell by, like, the next section, you know? everybody and welcome to Booker Torts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. This is a podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience with it. That's right, Danielle. I have no experience with it. I'm like the cabin boy on a pirate ship. Not quite sure what I'm going to do with this, but I'm here to learn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't another spring animal. Sometimes you go animal heavy. Well, I mean, baby animals are cute, Danielle, and they bring in the clicks. They do. Yes, people listen to our podcast episodes for the baby animals. I mean, wouldn't you? That's why we talk about kittens so frequently. I mean, I figured that was the reason why I was all about that search engine optimization, right? (laughs) Oh, please like us. (laughs) Right. Anyway, uh, today, Sam, what are we doing? Oh, I can only assume we're doing the voice on the radio. (laughs) We are doing the voice on the radio by Carolyn B. Cooney. That's her name. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a third in the, I don't know, Janie series, whatever happened to Janie. Based on the milk carton. Janie? Janie. Jenny? Which one is that? (laughs) It's Janie. This book is more specific about it being Janie, which is helpful. Okay, great. We'll stick with Janie from now on. (laughs) Wonderful. This is the third in that series. It was done in 1996, just so we have a good timeline for everything that's happening here. What? What else? Wasn't there a big famous movie that came out in 96? I'm sure there were a lot of famous movies that came out in all of the years. Just just fun to imagine what... You could have been doing with your time in 96 besides reading this book. I might have been reading this book in 1996. (laughs) I know. And I'm saying, you could have been using your time much better. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so, are you ready? You ready for this, Sam? Sure. What what are we going to do? Just going to go right into it? We are going to go right into it. You're not going to do any summary? I really don't think you need a summary for this one because I feel like it'll... What happened in the last one? It'll ruin what's going to happen in this. And yes, you can absolutely summarize what happened in the last one. I can do like I don't. one sentence. <laughs> do it. Janie went to live with her family in a truly atrocious, must-sever ties with her previous life way. <laughs> she was angsty about it, and eventually they decided that was a bad idea. The end. <laughs> that about summarizes uh, whatever happened to Janie. <laughs> yeah. All right. They had a really terrible decision. They spent the whole book thinking about how terrible it was, how bad it was for Janie, and then they reversed that decision later. And we never got to see the prom. That's true. Reeve, her boyfriend, invited her to prom. She's living in New Jersey, but invited her to prom in Connecticut, and we never got to see how that resolved. Way to, like, dangle in front of us. Terrible. Yeah, I have bad news for you, Sam. No prom? No prom. <laughs> is there is there any Reeve in this book, even? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Reeve in this book. Finally, because up to this point, Janie and Reeve's relationship has been entirely perfunctory. It seems like she just threw it in there because every teen book needs some kind of romance in there somewhere. Well, perfect. If you're craving more of Reeve, please tune in Uh, to The Voice on the Radio. 
I don't know if I'm craving more of Reeve, because he is so far basically just an uncarved block of wood in my mind. Well, you get to learn more about him in this episode. Perfect. Is he gonna? Is he a radio DJ in this episode? Maybe. I'll, you'll find out very quickly. <laughs> Great. All right. Let's hear it. Wonderful. And just a reminder for our uh, tuning in audience here that Janie was kidnapped at the age of three. Kind of. Sort of, by her uh, I wish you what? Accidentally kidnapped. <laughs> She's accidentally kidnapped by a woman in a cult. I think that's all you need to know. And she's grown up with these people who thought they were her grandparents. But Also, this is not. all an assumption. There has been absolutely no evidence presented to confirm <laughs> this theory. This is all assumption that they've made about this poor cult-mind adult woman. I would hope at some point the FBI did some kind of DNA testing to confirm the truth of this. I mean, even if she is the same person who was kidnapped, we still we still don't know how or why. She, they're making a lot of assumptions about the motivations and the means. That's true. We don't have any proof that she was actually kidnapped by Hannah. By Hannah. Maybe she was kidnapped by someone else in the court and ended up with Hannah. Maybe Hannah kidnapped her maliciously, not by accident. Maybe, like, she hidden the back of Hannah's car and she found out later. Like, we have no idea how this happened. Yes, but according to this book, that's what went down. So, we open up this book, as all good books set in the 90s open up, with an email. Narration. Oh, oh an okay. email. <laughs> right. This book really sort of stra- <laughs> this series really straddled the email era. Yeah, email. Uh, well, they don't get text messages because it's 96, but, you know, they kind of just yeah. maybe have phones. I don't know. So, Reeve has been in college for 39 days. There was no problem. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't 40 whole problem. days almost. <laughs> He's practically graduated. Yeah, and... Uh, Janie over here has like 599 days before she graduates, so she's got a hot minute. Are they counting the days until she- (laughs) They just Uh. separated like a month and a half ago, Sam. They're teenagers. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) And she tells them in the email that she has THSD, which is terminal high school disease, and the only cure is Reeve. (laughs) Boo! Teenagers suck. (laughs) Teenagers are dumb. (laughs) I say this fully aware, I was- Definitely a terrible teenager. <laughs> I did roll my eyes real hard, though. <laughs> no, 100% lame. And we say love. Because <laughs> we want you to be better. We, we want you teenagers. not to suffer the way we suffered. Like, we look back at ourselves and we cringe. We want you to avoid that. We, this is for your own good. <laughs> yeah, don't send these emails. So, Reeve writes back that he can't come and get her until he's rich and famous because uh, she wants to, like, escape from school. And... In one hour, he's going to be a real live DJ and on a live radio station. So he's beginning his journey. Yay for Reeve. So his his genius plan is going to wish him famous as a radio DJ in the mid to late 90s. <laughs> I mean, I just think this is the path he's fallen into that he's very excited about. Yeah, radio. Really, really the future at that point <laughs> of time. Like, really going to be around forever. Really going to be a real cash cow. Well, no one's going to get their music in any other way in, say, 1997. <laughs> you can't see the future, Sam, okay? Right. I just love that he's like, yeah, radio DJ. That's me. Also, college radio. Great start. That's really going to be like the launch pad for many radio careers. You got to put your foot in the door somehow. Fair enough. Like, what do I know about being a radio DJ? I, I Nothing. Maybe he's going to be the next Dr. Demento or whatever. He might be. So we enter into Reeve's head. We get to switch back and forth a lot to characters here. We go into Reeve's head. I'm so horny for radio. I mean, Janie. I mean, radio. A little bit. Really conflicted. (laughs) So he's panicking. He's completely gotten Mike fright. He's like, 
in the radio station and he's got the mic in front of him. He's supposed to be saying something and he has no idea what he's supposed to say. And it's like live on air. Danielle, quick question. Mm-hmm. Is Mike Fright different than Stage Fright or did you just make that name up because it sounds cool? That's what she calls it in the book. <laughs> okay, great. I, I mean, I thought it was all the same idea that performance anxiety is Stage Fright. Called Stage Fright. Nope. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a term that in DJs the radio use. <laughs> I don't know. Sam, if you're in, if you're a radio <laughs> DJ and you get Mike Fright, let us know if that's a real term or not. We'd love to hear about it. We clearly don't have Mike Fright. <laughs> well, it helps that we are not live. That does help, but I still don't think we get Mike Fright. That's probably true. We We're chatty. Be like, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> we will never test this premise. Probably. No, we won't. I'm sorry. We're not going to do a live episode. More than like, likely. Unless you want to pay us a lot of money to go on tour and like play stadiums, we're not going to happen. <laughs> Anyway, could you imagine this show in a no, stadium it'd arena? It'd be, it'd be awful. Like four hours long, <laughs> and everyone would be like, "What are we doing here? These tickets were not worth a ticket, master. Darn you for your scalping!" I think people, the people who would pay for those tickets already would appreciate listening to us, but it would be a really long episode, and we're sorry it'd about be that all in advance. Four people in a giant stadium—that'd be amazing. I just like never- our parents. <laughs> Uh, we could. There'd be more if we just invited all our friends and and listeners. Yeah, they would not come. We could pay them. <laughs> We're gonna lose money on the stadium tour. Why would we be on a stadium tour if more people aren't gonna listen to us? Because of our hubris, Danielle. Our humidifier broke. Oh, we like we personally went out and like got a stadium for this. Yeah, we like. This is gonna be great. We're gonna book this. We're gonna we're gonna get the whole marketing I don't think campaign. That's We're gonna how make stadiums millions. Work. <laughs> Yeah, please. I think I know a little bit about how stadium works due to my extensive experience having never been to stadiums. I've been to more stadiums than you. Oh, 100%. Definitely you have. All right. I don't think that's how stadiums work. Uh, anyway, Reeve. Back to Reeve. All right. This guy. This guy who's not playing stadiums. He's getting Mike Fright in a booth. But he might one day. He's always loved radio but had walked into the college radio station only because the freshman dorm had made him nervous and his roommate kind of sucked, and now he's mm-hmm. now he's in this college radio station. Is he going to be like a shock jock? Mm, no. We'll get into it, Sam. Okay. <laughs> to, okay, great. Can't wait to hear about what style of radio DJ from the 90s is Reeve. Uh, he found that he loved volunteering at the radio station, and then... It's all 40 days, right? Yeah, so he's been... I, this goes very quickly. So he started, uh, they let him do like kind of a late night hour, like a 2 or 3 a.m. or something like that. And then he was doing well enough at it that they let him kind of sub in for another DJ that was there and get like kind of a primetime spot. So this is his trial run for a primetime spot. Okay. So he's basically doing a dry run to see if he can get a primetime spot. And he's blowing it big time. Well, so far. I mean, it's only like a few seconds into it, but he doesn't know what he's supposed to talk about. Danielle, you can never have dead air on the radio. That's I know. He's freaking rule. out about it. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to have dead air. And that's like, that's what just, it's, it's like you're getting his like millisecond thoughts as this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> We're going the slow-mo instant yeah, replay getting, exactly. of me freaking out. You're oh, getting the slow-mo version of this. So the experienced DJ that's in the booth with him is the one he's taking over the spot for. He's giving him a hard time offering to take over for him. Like, if you can't do it, I can do it for you. And Derek is his name. He finally suggests that Reeve comes up with a topic he can run with, or maybe he'll get lucky and get a call in that he can run with instead. So... Which seems Even though it's supposed to be like super slow motion, there's been enough time for Derek to both taunt and then I suggest he, a solution. I think he puts on a song so that he can like oh. have a minute to figure out what he's going to talk about. Let's spin those discs while we listen to what are kids listening? Who do you in the blowfish? No, Whatever. it's I don't no, know. it's something assassins. I might have it in ear. Something assassins. We'll get into it because they're they're not important, but they play a minor role. <laughs> 
The Assassins, are they a real band? Uh, no, they're like a college band. Oh, okay. Here in this, in this world that she's creating. Okay, so meanwhile, Janie and her friend Sarah Charlotte are looking at wedding magazines, because, you know, she's 16. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's had wedding dreams ever since she saw him in a tux at prom senior year. Hey-o. We don't get to see prom! <laughs> I know, it's so sad. How did that work out with those crazy kids? She also thinks she's going to keep house on a yacht, so, you know, keeping those dreams alive. <laughs> she's going to live on a yacht? <laughs> I guess so. Living on a yacht sucks. Well, I mean, I've never lived dream. on a yacht, but like, I don't know. It sounds just like a saltier, more high maintenance house that gets you seasick. I mean, maybe I know someone who lived on a boat for several years. They seem fine with it. I'm I'm happy that people can live on boat. I really am. I'm just saying. I don't know if that's like the dream for most teenage girls. <laughs> well, in her fantasy that she was creating, she was fine with living on a yacht. All right, fine. Her friend Sarah Charlotte asks her. That is her name, Wait, right? Are you saying her friend is named Sir Charlotte? No, her friend is named Sarah Charlotte. Oh, Sarah Charlotte. Yeah, Sarah hyphen Charlotte. Of <laughs> course. she insists on going by her full name. We talked about the names in this, Sam. <laughs> Freaking wasps. <laughs> her name is Sarah Charlotte. That's what she goes by. And she asks Janie which of her fathers is going to walk her down the aisle. Both of them. Yeah, Janie says she could do both, one on each arm. She's kind of started to become fond of her New Jersey dad. Well, I'm glad she's no longer, like, traumatized as much. Yeah. This is a good book for that, Sam. They have some, you know, peace, which is nice. Yeah. (laughs) So Sarah Charlotte asks her what's going on with the New Jersey situation. The kids have visited, but the parents haven't really worked themselves up to visiting yet. Like, she's visited them, I think, in New Jersey, but they feel uncomfortable being in Connecticut with the other family. Okay. Which kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. But she kind of hates talking about it, Janie does, so she's sort of trying to get out of this conversation as it's happening. She apparently, if she says anything negative about the situation, her family insists that she goes to counseling, which is good, as we talked about previously, that somebody finally mentioned counseling of some kind. (laughs) Also, it shouldn't be a punishment. It should be a, you should go to counseling regardless. Yeah, she should continuously probably be in counseling during this entire experience. But no, it's apparently just if she's expressing anything negative, she goes to counseling. So yes, it does kind of become punishment. She hates counseling, Sam. That's wild. (laughs) I know, it's really sad. She either needs a better counselor or she needs a better family dynamic around counseling. Both. (laughs) Or both. (laughs) So Janie says New Jersey isn't as important as Boston, because that's where Reeve lives. And Sarah Charlotte asks if he's still faxing her every day. (laughs) Faxing? (laughs) Boo! Also, what what school is he going to in Boston? Uh, Just some kind of made-up college, I think. Okay. Yeah. I I thought he was, like, not so bright, like he was worried about getting to college. I was like, he's not going to MIT or something, right? I think it's more that he just didn't apply himself. No, he's not going to MIT, but I think that last year of school, he, like, really pushed his grades, and he got Got A's through all of it, and he managed to get to a decent enough college. Fair enough. So it's in Boston somewhere. It's a small school, or smaller school, and I guess he hasn't been faxing every day. He started strong, but now it's more like emails and calls or Hallmark cards. Why would... Wait, sorry, Hallmark cards? Yeah, that's what she says. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, what a what a lame thing to write your girlfriend, sorry. <laughs> well, she likes getting them, Sam. That's what matters. She's 16. Also, why is a fact somehow superior to email? I don't know. <laughs> like, he, he's not faxing now. He's just doing email, which is way less... Like, or it's the same calls. information. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, what? <laughs> she makes it sound like the fax is the be-all, end-all, and oh, now he's only emailing, calling. Isn't that just the worst? <laughs> Faxes, much like this DJ career, they're never going away. 
Oh, gosh. Faxes are predominantly used in healthcare now, <laughs> in some offices. I'm and sure. other industries that are unable or unwilling to move with the times. <laughs> oh, man. It's a, it's a thing. So yeah, I know. <laughs> She wants to visit, but she doesn't. She's not convinced that like either of her parents are going to let her stay for longer than a day. You know, obviously, she's not going to be able to sleep overnight in Boston, right? So back in the radio station, Reeve is digging through his mind for a talk bit, but is coming up blank, and he's obviously still panicking in this very long situation. His two minute song. I would suggest a topic for Reeve. But we know literally nothing about him. His <laughs> mind is an enigma to us. He has no interests that I'm aware of besides Janie and maybe bodybuilding a little bit. Yeah, he was really into his muscles for a while. Was he on the football team? I forget. I do not recall. I'll be honest. He wasn't I like Janie a Rave. cheerleader and he was no, on the football team? No, Janie wasn't a cheerleader, I don't think. Who am I thinking of then? I don't know. I don't think she was. All right. Well, that was a different book that you had where you had a character who was a cheerleader. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So like I said, he's been doing pretty well at the 3 a.m. slot. And so uh, this is the first time he's kind of blanked while he's in it. He just, I think he, it's just the pressure of the idea that people are actually listening as opposed to 3 a.m. when people are not listening to the radio. Probably. Then why even have it on is the question. <laughs> I don't know. So finally, he opens his mouth and he says the phrase, once upon a time. No. <laughs> and the other Instantly DJ, cut off. <laughs> and the other DJ and the people on the station like look up from their work and start to laugh at him. Yeah. Reasonable. That is a correct <laughs> react. I mean, I'm not for generally shaming people and like ostracizing them, but Reeve, my dude, you got to work with me here. <laughs> well, suddenly he has an idea, Sam. If he tells fairy tales, I'll be upset. Nope. He says, once upon a time, he goes, I dated a dizzy redhead. Dizzy is a compliment. Janie was light and air, like hope is and joy. Is he going to tell Janie's like, <laughs> kidnap story on the radio without her consent? I'm not going to tell you, but you'll find out very shortly whether or not that's true. <laughs> Reeves a monster. Holy. <laughs> and he starts off by saying, I dated a dizzy redhead. Like, he's a compliment. He said it was a compliment. <laughs> I would be furious. I'd be livid if I was Janie. He explains that it's his girlfriend. He goes, You know the type. Really cute, fabulous red hair lived next door. And he launches into Janie's kidnap story. <laughs> what a monster. Absolutely atrocious. So he takes a chance and he glances up at the crew that's in the booth with him and they're like hanging on his every word as you probably would be if somebody started yeah. telling a kidnap story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's basically doing the first true crime podcast. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And those are <laughs> things in and of themselves. You're going to love this. So no, I, I already don't. <laughs> On to New Jersey. Jody's. You remember Jody? Wait, there was a Jody? Yeah, it's Janie's sister. Right, I forgot. They have the dumb names that are pretty much the same. Yep, Jody's sister. We assume. Assuming there's been a DNA test. We can just assume. Everyone else in this book does. But Jody's family has moved into a much bigger house. That's very exciting for them. How do they get the money? They had the money. They just never moved because they didn't want Janie? to leave where, you know, if Janie ever came back to oh, okay. the house she'd remember when she was three years old. Sure, yeah, because apparently, again, they have their family is a family of mutants who have perfect three-year-old recall when, of memory from when they're born. Like, there isn't some kind of path you can follow if you find somebody's moved, you can see where they moved to. Right, they're still or living they can, in New like, Jersey. leave a note. Yeah. So Stephen's gone off to college. Stephen was the oldest brother. And yeah. she's super into the new place. There's so much space. She's looked at college catalogs, but it freaks her parents out a little bit because if if she looks too far away, he went to Colorado, Stephen did. So she feels like she has to stay closer to home somehow. Because, I don't know, she just doesn't know if that's like because Get out, get out where you can! <laughs> yeah, so she feels kind of bad about it. So she's looking at places that are like nearby enough that she could take a train or something home, but not so close that she's, you know, in her parents' pockets. So she's looking at neighboring states or cities on an easy train line, because New Jersey isn't a top pick for schools. And she daydreams about going to Hills College. It's the name Wait. of the college, by the way. 
That's in Boston. Not everyone wants to go to school in New Jersey? Yeah, apparently not. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I have nothing personally against the state of New Jersey, but, you know, much like many other states in this country, it's a fun punching bag, and they appreciate it, I think. <laughs> it's because of where you live. That is your direct punching bag. Yeah, fair enough. And again, lovely people. I know a lot of people in Jersey. Some of my best friends are from Jersey. <laughs> but you're gonna make That's not a problematic anyway. phrase at all. <laughs> Please, please, Jersey people, don't hurt me. I know you're very dangerous. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, she doesn't want to go to school in New Jersey, Sam. She wants to go to school potentially in Boston at Hills College, which is where Reeve goes, because she feels like it'd be cool to have him show her around and, he, you know, she'd know somebody there. Sure. I mean, it tells you enough school. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, Brian, he's one of the twins that I didn't really mention, Brian and Brendan, uh, yeah, they have twins, I think. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. twins, Brian and Brendan. That she couldn't tell apart. Yeah. Well, Brian, one of the twins, has made the discovery this year. He's 13. He and his twin are 13. He discovers he has... I'm not, I'm not going to finish that hand. So sorry. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> he discovers that he's different than his twin. Like, this is the first year where he's really felt like they are, aren't having their twin connection. So they had always been thick as thieves. He and Brendan, obviously twins. But Oh, Brendan, Brian and Brendan? Yeah. That's their names? Yes, I told you that. Like, ten times. <laughs> Whatever. Like, it's like the Janie and Jody. I hate it. Well, remember the parents did Janie and Jody, Brendan and Brian, and then they wanted to do Steven, and I think Stacy was the other one, but they never had Stacy because they didn't want to have kids after she got kidnapped. Janie got kidnapped. I'm so glad they never fulfilled their plan for all their <laughs> rhyming children names, or I guess their alliterative children names, because that's just mean. We want to have enough children just so we can make all their We'll do every letter in the alphabet, starting at A, do pairs. All the way down. Probably should. 52 children. Tell you that my mom and her sisters all had the same initials. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your boat, I'm not here to tell you how to name your children. But I don't know, maybe pick the name that is going to be best for them, not the one that makes you laugh the most. Well, there we go. So, Brian. Brian realizes that. Unlike Brendan, who's really into sports and got accepted onto the team. I don't know what team, I'll be honest. I couldn't figure the out team. what sports team he was on. I'm uh, sure they mentioned let's it. Let's say uh, curling. <laughs> no, I think it was like basketball or something. I just no, don't remember. curling, Danielle. I'm doing okay, curling. Okay, on the curling, curling team. team. So Brendan's on the curling Way team. Cooler. Brian didn't get accepted to it. And Brian realizes that he actually doesn't like sports. He's never been good at them. And he loves history and reading. And Brendan would give him a really hard time about it. So, so he's he, a nerd. He's a nerd. And he doesn't want to mention it to Brendan. He's just doesn't want oh to deal my with gosh, it. This is so 90s. And th- so 13, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're like finding out who you are and you're like, oh no, I'm different than other people. But not really. Not really. <laughs> so like I said, he's discovering himself and his place kind of without his twin by his side. So he's out shopping with his mom and he notes that she's much more relaxed than she used to be. Obviously shopping used to be a really big deal for her because that's how she, you know, when she lost her I got kid. It. And she's been a lot more relaxed about it now, but you can tell that she's still kind of like learning that it's okay to... To not pay as much attention to her kids as she was, you know, used to doing. And they're still trying to learn how to function as a normal family without the threat of kidnapping. I mean, there's always a threat of kidnapping. It's yeah, just not but, very likely. Yeah, and they're older now and all of that. And, you know, they got their kid back. And he realizes a lot of the choices that his parents made when he was little, like putting him into sports, was more to keep him in one place that was, like, supervised as opposed to, you know, being something he necessarily enjoyed. Maybe he would enjoy the right sport, like bowling. That's kind of a sport, right? Sure. Chess. Yeah. Maybe he likes chess. <laughs> Maybe he likes chess. Maybe he likes he ice likes skating. Maybe he likes... There's lots of sports. You should have tried them all out. Yeah, right? Don't just limit people to sports that are curling and nothing else. There's more to like than curling, Danielle. There is. I knew a curler once. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. A competitive one. It was actually yeah. a whole thing. Okay. Right. Okay. 
After the radio hour, back with Reeve. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the thing. He's telling his, his girlfriend's business all over the radio 100%. for strangers just so he can get attention. Oh, man. It's, it's, a, rough, it's a rough book, Sam. Rough book. <laughs> if, is it rough because of like, oh, it's really sad that they're having this falling out? Is it rough because Janie's is like, oh, that's, he's totally in the right, like struggles with trying to figure out if he actually did something wrong, which he absolutely did. Why would I tell you how the plot of this book goes? Well, I mean, you're going to tell me one way or the other. It's just not going to tell me now. <laughs> not tell you now. Okay. I'm just putting it out there that those are two different kinds of rough. Well, it's rough for many reasons. You'll find out. There's rough like where the red fern grows, where it's sad. Okay, it's not sad. Like... It's not red fern grows sad. Few things are. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> So Reeve listens back to the recording with the staff uh, to his time on air, and he realizes, obviously, he gave it a little bit of creative liberty, but he also kind of has this moment where he realizes how permanent it is, because it's, you know, a recorded thing. On the radio, <laughs> on yeah. On the radio. And this bothers him a little, but he's like, well, you know, she'll never know, and next time I'll talk about something else. Like, it doesn't have to be a big deal. She'll never know. That's a great strategy. <laughs> So the station manager tells him that he has to continue the story because he only told part of it because it's only an hour, you know, when he was drawing it out. So how, wait, wait, wait. How long do you need to tell that? You told this story. I mean, I, I saw <laughs> the story in two sentences just at the beginning of this episode. Well, he goes, uh, as you'll find out, spoiler, he goes pretty in depth of like reactions and feelings people have and like. Anything he knows what he was How told. is he so in the know about all of this? Like, <laughs> well, did Jane just sit down and tell him, like, oh, yeah, when I first got to the house, I had these detailed feelings. Everyone else around me had these detailed feelings. I mean, they were dating. I think he was probably her confidant for pretty much everything. Okay. I just don't know why he would know about, like, Jody's feelings or whatever, too. Oh, I don't, he doesn't necessarily know about all those things. But, like, he, he didn't tell the whole story. He told, like, the beginning of the story. He launched into all right. it. So the station manager tells him that he has to continue it, though, because the phones lit up when he was dead, and they got almost 40 calls about it. 40 whole calls! Now for a college radio station that's like two-block yeah. radius, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not bad. Reef declines, telling him he's super uncomfortable with that, and JD wouldn't like it. And the manager gives oh, him... now you know he doesn't like it. Well, here's the kicker. The manager's like, uh, first off, seriously, you already did it. And then secondly, you used her real name. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he's like, what are you doing, bro? Well, I mean, he's into it, but he's also like, you already made bad decisions. You might as well continue the story. That's an interesting choice of like, your sister already's bad. Might as well double down. That's what the manager's like. That's his whole personality. Terrible personality. <laughs> so he tells him he can't give up now. Something with this much potential to become popular could make or break their radio station. Like it might get them a bigger scope of, of listeners and get them all jobs outside of it if it really took off. Basically, if it goes viral, he's like in. <laughs> You're gonna win the Pulitzer, kid! What are you trying to do? No game is worth your career! Yeah, he tells him he's a natural. Like, people were totally into it. Like, his radio voice is on point. He could, he could be big. Danielle, let's hear your radio voice. This is my radio voice. Everybody hears this once a week. <laughs> this is as good as it gets, everybody. <laughs> so your radio voice is no different than your normal voice. Yeah, I mean, it might be... I guess if I was doing, like, actual radio and not fun time podcasting, maybe it would sound closer to my work voice on a, you know, phone call when I answer phones. You don't want to do, like, a... Hi, and welcome to Book Retorts. This is the radio program where we're going to be telling stories about people who we don't have their permission. That'd be boring. That's not why people listen to us, Sam. <laughs> no, what does it say? It's a different voice. <laughs> it is a different voice, but good job on your radio voice. Ten points to Sam for his radio voice. I mean, just trying different voices. You can do like a shock job. <laughs> Hello, it's 4.95 in the morning. It's uh, cold out there. The I-95 is backed up all the way to the turnpike. <laughs> you can 
do that, Sam. You have that high energy and you can pull it off at four in the morning. Yeah, but I have morals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. This is my audition reel. We did your fully reel. This is my radio audition reel. Perfect. We're both equally as good at those things. What we should do, you know, the the uh, the Frasier episode where they have the radio play? Yes. Where the best I can Frasier do the voice. episode. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Where I do the voice work and you do the Foley work, just like perfect. Niles is doing. We're yeah, good. perfect. We're, <laughs> we're, doing that. we're done. Right, hire us. <laughs> <laughs> Remake of that one Frasier episode. I just meant in general. Like, we, we could do that, like, team up. You know, how they had one person doing oh, the that voice. That could be our live show, phone. Sam. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Fill that stadium. <laughs> if Rihanna can play the Super Bowl pregnant, so can we. Not the pregnant part, but we can play the Super Bowl. <laughs> Anyway, back to Reeve. Uh, the station manager reminds Reeve that they have a broadcast range of just a few city blocks, not a whole state. She's never going to hear him in Connecticut, and he can kind of feel himself capitulating. Yeah. Like, Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Words can't travel further than the radio can. People don't talk to each other. They're not recorded or anything. Uh-huh. So, as I said... Podcasts won't be invented for a whole other, like, three or five years. I don't know. <laughs> somewhere in the 2000s. That's true. So, back in Connecticut, at school that day, uh, Janie's school, it's lipstick day. Are you you ready for this? Oh, no, it's worse than you think it is, Sam. This is so 90s. Apparently, everybody blathers on bright, crazy lipstick colors, and the goal is to acquire as many lip prints on your face as possible. I hate this. Wild, right? (laughs) Like, never would happen now. (laughs) And not just because I lived through a pandemic, and that sounds like a great way to spread one. But, ugh, that sounds so <laughs> skeevy. I don't like it. Yeah, it's super special. So Janie is kind of digging it, though. She's finally feeling like herself again. Um, you know, she's having a good time at school. Her friend had come up with the idea, and so it's like everybody's kind of, she's popular, you know. And she's uh, she's feeling herself again until she gets to a volleyball game later that day. And the yearbook photographer comes up, and he wants to take a picture of her because they plan to have a milk carton page devoted to them living through her kidnapping. Who's them? The other students? The year, yeah. They didn't through anything. She lived through it. Well, yeah, but their uh, vicarious experience of you know this was the year nothing. that we had the woman who was like the girl that was kidnapped. <laughs> They're trauma tourists at best. <laughs> And they're putting it in the yearbook, and I don't understand, aren't there adults in charge of the yearbook staff? (laughs) Yeah, who would say, this is a terrible idea. You should never approach someone and say, hey, can we put your trauma onto a yearbook page? They're not asking her. They are telling her it's already happening, and they want her picture for it. They cannot do that without permission. (laughs) Well, they are trying to do it right now, Sam. That's what they want her picture for. Absolutely awful. But you have to remember, these are the same adults who decided to have the uh, assembly prior to her. I'm glad everyone in these books continues to be a terrible human being. Actually, they're not the same adults. They're the different school. God, they're just as bad. I told every 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 person every in this book adult. sucks. <laughs> not just every adult, every person. Like, all the people suck. It's amazing, really. So she pulls yeah. the camera from his hands and rips the film out, which I think is totally fair, honestly. Valid. Absolutely <laughs> valid. So she gathers the attention of pretty much everybody around her. They're all staring at her. And she tries to make a run for it. But Sarah Charlotte convinces her to stay. She says, don't run. Just smile and wait. They'll go. Stare back at them. But don't you run. And so she decides to sit. And basically... Sarah Charlotte's not good at giving advice. Um, I mean, she... I think the concept behind this, because we kind of go on to talk about it a little bit. Don't let them win? You, sort of. She's basically, Sarah Charlotte tells her that she's tearing herself apart because she's always a uh, slight reflex instead of fighting reflex. And so she just keeps running away from everything, which is true. She's spent two books, like, not dealing with her problems. She's very avoidant. That's true. You know yeah. what would really help her deal with this avoidance issue? Counseling. 
A therapist, yeah. <laughs> nope, you get Sarah Charlotte who says, hey, just tough it out. They'll totally ignore you in like five minutes. And they do. And she realizes that maybe Sarah Charlotte's onto something. Terrible. I mean, absolutely awful. <laughs> so back in the studio, Reeve can't get over how easy it is to share Janie's story. Stuff that she has said to him with obviously implied confidence, I would assume. And yeah. He hasn't told anybody up to this point, but he finds himself saying it out loud. Like, he's just, like, in the zone. He barely realizes what he's even saying. Stream of consciousness, yep. Yep. And Derek, one of the other DJs at the station, as I mentioned earlier, is getting kind of jealous because he took over his spot. He feels so he's like, going to tell Janie what's going on. No, I thought this was going somewhere. It really didn't go. <laughs> oh, then why are you telling me about it? <laughs> because, you know, an interesting yep. little Derek tidbit. <laughs> So Derek felt like he was consistent and reliable, and Reeve basically just trashes his girlfriend and gets a million calls, and he thinks JD sounds kind of great and deserves something better than Reeve, who's using her for radio fodder. To be fair, this sounds very much kind of like modern viral culture. Absolutely. It's ahead of its time. 1996. Been ahead of its time. I mean, this sounds very much like those YouTube families that the parents always get caught, like, I'm going to shut things down because they're basically just abusing their children for views or, you know, exploiting them in ways that are terrible. She's def- he's so. definitely exploiting her, I think. Yeah, yeah. So this is very much in line with modern viral voyeurism culture. Yeah, ahead of its time. Yeah, so ahead of its time. I mean, fax machines? Wow. <laughs> So, back in Connecticut, Janie arrives home to find a reporter on her porch. It's one she's seen before that doesn't seem to want to let go. And of what? Her story? Let of her be. story. Nope. They're just, she's just hanging out on the porch. But I don't even think it's legal. It's private property. Get off the porch. Yeah, no kidding. So, they love to ask details about Hannah and how she came to be, whose fault it was. Like, they're really, the reporter's really bent on, like... Yes, three-year-old Janie's going to remember all that. I mean, maybe she would because she's Janie, but seriously. <laughs> no. So Sarah Charlotte, her ride, offers her to take her over to her house instead so she doesn't have to walk past the reporter. But Janie notes that the blinds are all closed and the lights are off, so she has this idea that her mother's probably in there and try to avoid the reporter, so she should go in and, you know, be with her. Yeah. So she ignores the reporter, she walks inside, and obviously they're trying to, like, you know, ask her questions and get a recording from her, but she knows if she doesn't say anything, it won't make a good copy. And she goes inside the house, and yep, her mom's inside. And they kind of just chat, and she pretends like the reporter's not out there. All right, so terrible reporters, paparazzi in her, great. Nobody in this book is good. Her father arrives at the house, and I guess he's been recently using the internet. He's looking to see if he can maybe find Hannah somewhere online. Have you heard about this newfangled thing called the internet? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> but he hasn't had any luck, obviously. After one of his shows, Reeve makes his way to a vending machine, having missed dinner. And he runs into a girl who recognizes him. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm the biggest fan. I haven't missed an episode. And I like the one where Janie had such bad nightmares that she had to barricade herself in with the pillows to keep the demons from attacking her spine or toes while she slept. (laughs) I used to have that same issue when I was a kid. How much of this is elaboration? I think that's probably true. Janie was having some nightmares in one of the books, but also that's a really private thing to share on air. (laughs) That's... Ooh, he is not a good dude. (laughs) Um, I regret wanting to see Reeve at prom. He doesn't deserve a prom scene. <laughs> he doesn't. So Reeve feels a little panic, kind of realizing for the first time that he said that out loud. Like I said, he's sort of in the recording zone, I guess. Is he he's- disassociating? What's going <laughs> on with him? I don't think he's to that point, but I think he's like, he knows what he's going to say. Like, he kind of plans stuff out ahead of time. But I think he just kind of gets into the story and is like so into it that he doesn't fully realize quite the impact that he's having or the things that he's saying out loud. All right. 
I mean, not an excuse. No, it's not. I'm not saying that at all, especially because he's willingly and knowingly like planning out yeah. what he's saying and still doing it, knowing that he shouldn't be. See, I don't think this is that the book is ahead of its time so much as that people don't change. No, no, they're exactly the same. It's just now they have like a wider place they can put stuff. The barrier to entry is lower, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> and he realizes so that that particular thing was something that even her parents didn't know about, but now, you know part of Boston knows about, so that's unfortunate. Is he having any reservations, or is he just like, nah, whatever? No, I think, I mean, you get a lot of his internal monologue, and he's kind of back and forth on things. Like, he feels bad about it, but he keeps doing it because he kind of likes the idea of like, people calling in, and he's, like, sort of, I think, he wants drawn the to the fame. Yeah, like, he's just, he's kind of, like, into the idea that he's sharing the story and so many people are invested in listening to it. So I think he's got, it sort of shows the, I think, the de-evolution of his psyche into this, like, fame-mongering kind of person that he really did. That was making. really quick. <laughs> well, like, no, it's still going on. Like, it's not... Yeah, I'm saying, like, yet. ooh, college radio fame, man. <laughs> <laughs> really, like, selling your relationship down river for that. <laughs> well, he's 18, so he's like, you know, first off, he's getting all these phone calls at the end of his episodes, and he's like, people are super into it. Now he's meeting people out in the wild who are like, oh my gosh, I love your episodes. Like, seeing recognized. The people at the radio station are really, like, into what he's doing. They're saying he could be really big and then this could really make the radio state. Like, he just feels like a lot of outside attention, I think. All right. He was a hug enough as a child, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> he could use some therapy as well. Everyone in this book needs therapy because everyone in this book is terrible. <laughs> so back at the dorm, he was approached by a group of guys, and it turns out that they're the local band that he often plays on his Janie episodes. That They call them Janie's. They Assassins. Call them Janie's. The Assassin Assassins. Group. So I'm trying to remember the name of. Surely somewhere in my notes I have the title of them. The Assassins of Boston. The Assassins. I actually did not write the name of their group. I can't believe I did that. I assassin you a question. <laughs> no, they're not that clever, <laughs> Sam. I could look it up in the book if you want, but I don't think it matters. I like that one. That's a good one. <laughs> It's something assassins or assassins something. I mean, the word is in there somewhere. I believe you. <laughs> There's a word in there. It may have an A in it. It's like the violent assassins or something, you know, like oh, something that's lame. stupid. Yeah, it's not a great title. I just don't I thought I'd written it down, but I don't have it in yeah. there. Assassin You a Question is way better. Yeah. Okay. We're going to assume that the name of this band is Assassin You a Question. <laughs> so the... <laughs> So these guys approach him outside of his dorm, and it turns out it's just asking you a question. And <laughs> they're the local band that he's been playing on his Janie episode. And they just got their first gig because of the exposure. What? <laughs> Why would anyone hire the band because they're on an episode of a college radio station? I think it's just like more and more people are tuning in. So oh, okay. They, become they hear more the more band. Popular. Okay. Yeah. I thought they're like, oh, you're the band on the Janie episode. We got to play you. No, I think it's more like, oh, your band is cool. I heard you on the Janie episodes because okay, I've okay. like, been listening to them because they're getting popular. So right, okay. they ask, Assassin New Question asks if he can announce the yeah. gig on his <laughs> next episode and he's thrilled for them. Like he's excited that his show is doing some good and it like means something to someone. Oh yeah, really, really good work you're doing there, buddy. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. Assassinia Questions really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. That's the most important thing is to help a college <laughs> garage band get their first gig. You're, that's I could worth be a big torpedoing deal, your you girlfriend's no, confidence and betraying her trust. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, oh, yeah, this is totally worth it. Okay, it might be worth that if they're like the next Beatles or something that's like a huge I don't think it is, revolutionary <laughs> thing on music. You Didn't don't you know that. Did you watch that Beatles movie where the guy stole their songs? Yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Yes, I have seen that movie. It works out yeah. well for him. <laughs> he becomes famous. Yeah, yeah. And no, nothing bad ever happened to him in that whole movie. He didn't have any reservations. Nothing bad happened. But I mean, kind of. Good. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> no doesn't. It doesn't really end with him having major consequences for it. To be fair, not not for him necessarily. Anyway, the point is okay when. He gets into his dorm, he checks his email, and he sees one from Janie. And she's and the email says, have you been telling my secrets to the whole college? No, she asks if she can visit for the day. She's, you know, been down in the dumps because she just found out that her yearbook wants to put a page and face on the milk garden page. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'd really love to see my boyfriend right now. Let, let me make a, let me make a psychic prediction, Danielle. They're going to visit. And someone's going to come up to her and be like, oh, you're that Janie girl we hear about on the radio being spilled. I'm not going to tell you that. Okay, that would be, be my guess. All right, it's official. That's Sam's psychic prediction. Let's find I out mean, if that's actually what happens. Could be very wrong, but... <laughs> so, she can't stay overnight, obviously, because nobody would let her. But she could come early, go to class with him if he went to class and hang out all day. And she just, you know, she's had a really bad day and she really wants to, to talk to him in person. Everyone to come to you visit you at college today, let me go to class with you. Let me just hang on your classes. Well, she means like she wants to basically skip school and go hang out with him on their Tuesday or something. Right, I'm just saying. <laughs> what an interesting choice. <laughs> so the idea of Janie being on campus obviously freaks him out. And he's afraid she's going to be recognized because he's described her in great detail. <laughs> Again, cannot cannot emphasize enough how much of a betrayal he has, he has committed Yeah, it's, it's just wild. And he can't take her to their dorms because a lot of his dorm mates listen and she'd be too public like if they went to the student center or someplace on campus. So he decides if she does come for any reason that he'll take her off campus, like tell her he needs a break and they can go explore Boston and it won't be an issue because like the city of Boston is not going to recognize her. Uh-huh. I'm sure they won't. But they will. <laughs> so he calls her that night to touch base and she's just thrilled to talk to him. I guess she hasn't been getting enough faxes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the problem is, Janie, when I fax you, I physically cannot call you. It takes up the entire line. <laughs> Why would you choose faxing over literally any other <laughs> have email, if you I mean, like, I get it. Faxing has it, or I'm sorry, had its purposes. But if you have email, it is no longer relevant. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, facsimile machines. You had your time. You were wonderful. It's time to move on. Oh, gosh. I use a lot of faxes. Um, <laughs> don't you don't you love it, Danielle? I hate them. I hate them with a fiery passion. You think printers are bad? Faxes, man. <laughs> she tells him all about the her day and like what happened with the camera, and she bemoans that she feels like she's just material to them, like she's a person. She's just a page of the yearbook. Oh, <laughs> it's like her normal life in her in Connecticut is somehow corresponding to the life that Reeve is having. They are parallel. I mean, no, I mean they're more like. She is feeling all these people are taking advantage of her story. And isn't she glad her boyfriend isn't one of those terrible people? On the plus side, her boyfriend does realize that he, you know, is doing the very thing that she's complaining about. And he will not stop. He will not stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes it worse, Danielle. I mean, however yeah. worse it can get. <laughs> she wants to get away and visit him because nobody will know her there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, obviously, he's pretty strained as he's trying to comfort her, and he tries to talk her out of coming. And the next day, as she's leaving for school, Reeve shows up at her house. So he just skips out and is like, well, I'm going to go there so she doesn't come here. <laughs> he's doing a lot of work to protect his betrayal. Yeah, absolutely. He knows it's wrong. I don't know if he fully, like, has has admitted it to himself, but he knows it's wrong. Uh... So his mom had called ahead to let her parents know that he's going to show up and wanted to surprise her, and they're very excited for her. And he decides just to go to school with her, doing the, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission thing, and he just attends her Wait. classes. <laughs> Can a random adult just go to a high school with children and just hang out? That I doesn't mean, he's seem like, right. he was in high school, like, you know, 50 days ago. It's not like he's gone very sure, far. Sure, sure. But, like, I don't think it's, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm speaking in our modern, you know, post-Columbine era where schools are pretty heavily locked down. But I don't just see some guy showing up and hanging around like, oh, yeah. That's Reeve. He says, coming to algebra today. Yeah. I will say that, like, at first I was like, that's, that's no way that you can just randomly uh, audit a class in high school. But I did once come back from study abroad, and I didn't have, like, I was in the middle of a term, and so I had to wait for the term to end so I, before I could start classes again in high school. And I just attended my friend's classes. Wild. All right. <laughs> and nobody said, I didn't do all of them. I just did, like, a couple of fun ones. Like, a, there was, like, a movie, a film class that one of my Nerd. friends was in. Yeah, that's me. But I, like, hung out with them in the film class. Like, I wasn't taking, like, you know, math or something. But sure. <laughs> it, the, nobody questioned it. I just hung out. They're like, oh, hi, student that doesn't belong in this class and is here midterm. <laughs> different times, Danielle, different times. <laughs> so I got, at first, my first instinct was like, that would never happen. Then I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and that was past 1996. <laughs> so maybe, maybe you could get away with it. Maybe. So Reeve ends up talking to the yearbook advisor when Janie's at the gym and makes them promise not to put her on the milk carton page. And she tells her about it after she gets out of class. And she's like, that was really easy. <laughs> Just talk to people and tell them to scrap the milk carton page. Like, obviously, they shouldn't have had to done it in the first place, but, you know. Yeah, At least solved. they respected the decision to not do it when you asked. Crazy. She didn't even try that, though. Of course not. So when he makes it back to Boston, he feels this, like, renewed determination. He's like, I'm going to stop the Janies. I'm not going to do these. He kind of forgotten what it was like to be back home and how it was to be around Janie, and he doesn't feel like that he can do that to her now that he's, you know. How long is that going to last? Ten minutes? Maybe. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> He kind of feels as as we talked about that he's not any better than the reporter of the yearbook committee that and so he decides he's going to tell the station manager that he wants to quit. So he does. He tells the station manager that he refuses to do the Janies anymore and they don't believe him. But he pushed it like they put the mic in front of him. They're like, nope, it's your time to shine. Let's go. (laughs) He pushes the mic back at them in the room where they're trying to get him to go live and he leaves and he's like, nope, I'm not doing them. Bye. Peace out. Girl Scout. Time suckers. Time suckers, Danielle. Well, he made a brief attempt at being kind and, and doing the right thing. Yeah. Well, as you might have guessed, his commitment to not being a JD lasts approximately two seconds, as that night he runs into a professor who recognizes oh, him no. and asks if he's planning to do more Janies, because apparently he and his wife are enthralled at have it, and they have like a little chart where they're keeping track of like all the storylines. This is true crime podcast. This <laughs> yeah, is 100%. crazy. <laughs> and because Reeve, Reeve's been fight, kind of giving the little pieces at a time, you know, to keep them on the hook kind of thing, as all good storytellers do. Yep. So he figures he'll do one more episode because he owes it to the audience to let them understand no, how the kidnapping happened. You owe nothing to the audience. You owe everything to your girlfriend <laughs> whom you are using as fodder for your fame mongering. Yeah, I was really looking forward to telling you this story because I knew how angry you're going to be about it. <laughs> 
I mean, Danielle, I think any decent person would be furious about this. I know, but I was reading it on your own head. You're angry about it, but it's more fun to have other people tell you the exact same thing you were already thinking. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the premise of our podcast. Sharing things with your friends is more fun than just have them in your head. And it is. This is a prime yeah. example of that for me. Great. This is why we do this. Because I was really angry reading this book. <laughs> I'm here to validate your feelings, Danielle. You are 100% yeah, yeah. correcting your anger. In fact, I don't think you were angry enough. Get mad. I've had time to like digest this. So I was angry reading it. And now, you know, I've read it and written notes about it. And I'm less angry now. Oh, let me be angry for you. Then I'll be angry enough for both of us. I am I'm still going angry. to spontaneously combust with how furious I am. <laughs> Call me the human torch. Yeah. So he's going to do one more episode. And then he'll quit after that. Sure he will. Back in New Jersey, Jody makes plans to go visit Boston and check out colleges. She has a couple interviews lined up. And oh, okay. That's going to go well. <laughs> Brian decides to go along with her instead of sitting in on his twins' sports games. Curling games again. Curling. Curling. Yeah. Curling. I'll give this book one thing. Yeah, it was curling. We, we just had it was No, curling. I'm just wondering if it's called a curling game or if it's called a curling match. School? Yeah. Like, what, or a set. <laughs> like, what do you say? I don't know. What's the word? Look, all I know is you got to put the rock in the house, all right? That's my curling knowledge. So, yeah, he doesn't want to go to another curling tournament, and he's decided he's going to go to Boston instead of his sister. I'll give this book credit for one thing, because Ms. B. Cooney does do a good job of, like, setting up potential catastrophes, like, Janie wants to visit the campus, and Jody. the twin- What? Jody. No. No, I said Janie because she wanted to visit her boyfriend. She wanted to go visit him. Oh, like, that visit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then now Jody and Brian want to – or Brendan, whichever one it is. I don't know. Brian. Wants to go visit Boston. Like, she's doing a good job of, like, setting up like, all these potential things for it to fall apart and then, like, oh, nearly avoided it. So that's, that's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good story, actually. I mean, I never thought that, you know, she was a bad author or anything. I just find all the characters to be infuriating. Oh, they're all maybe, infuriating. That does not stop. I, that might be in purpose, yeah. yeah. Reeve, I certainly, I don't think Reeve, like, you, you yeah. like, understand what he's doing and, like, how he's feeling and stuff, but you don't empathize, or I don't empathize with him. I'm like, you're making bad decisions, buddy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know you're yeah. doing it. You're doing it anyway. <laughs> Much like with most, or not, if not all of our media, we are not disparaging the authors. We're, we're, merely talking about the characters in a context of real life where characters do not belong and how ridiculous that would be. Yeah. I'd argue these characters are like unlikable in like a real life kind of way where people are often unlikable even, you know, if they have friends and have lives sure. and are liked by people around them. <laughs> I'm just I'm really impressed that every character is unlikable. That seems like it is impressive. the odds. <laughs> yeah. That seems against the odds of, of a general purpose for like, oh, if you met a hundred people, would all of them be terrible? Maybe. But this is just, I feel like this is really one of the jackpot of jackasses, <laughs> so to speak. I don't necessarily dislike any of the characters except for Reef right now, but I think they make terrible decisions. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, again, disliking the character and disliking their decisions, I guess, are different things, but I do find every adult to be irresponsible. Oh, and terrible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Like, nobody, I feel, is making the good choices. And yeah, so. Yeah, it boils down to choices and decisions that characters are making and what that's right. That's part of their personality because that's really all you have in these books is like their personalities or the decisions they're making. Yeah. So good job, Ms. Bikuni, for having such a fun <laughs> book for lots of characters to hate. I like that you always put the B in. You gotta put the B in there. I mean, <laughs> Without the B, she's just Ms. Cooney, and that's not as much fun to say. It's not. Anyway, so Jody and Brian <laughs> travel Sorry. to Connecticut to stay with the Johnsons because it's like on the way down to Boston. And Jody notices that Janie They're blending their family. Yay! Uh, yay! They've met, they've traveled there a few times over the course of 
whatever this was, summer or something. So they've been there a few times, just the parents haven't. So Jody right. notices that Janie has redone her room and is put off by the idea that she invested the time to redo her room at the Johnsons, but wouldn't put in any effort at the New Jersey house. But she tries to- What? So- Wasn't that a shared room? Yes, but she didn't like- She wouldn't do anything- with it. Like, they gave her half the room and she didn't want to do anything with it. And then they had okay. a, Then I skipped a part where they had a whole decision-making process about whether or not they were going to give her her own room at the, like, house. Like, how many rooms, houses, in the rooms in their new oh, house. Oh, the new house. Buy. I forgot about the new house. Yeah, so they ended up not giving her her own room because they didn't really think she was going to spend, like, a long enough time there to validate that. So they, she's just, right, like, like... a year. Right, so she's just sharing with Jody when she's visiting. But it was, like, a whole discussion. And so the reason why they didn't give her a room was partly because she's not going to stay there, but also she wasn't going to put any effort into, like, Okay, but also, it. like, one of these rooms she grew up in. Right. So I don't... I, she's I just having her, a moment. Like, Jody's just having a moment of, like... Jody needs to get her head out of her butt <laughs> with does. this whole thing. She does. She reminds herself that she's been mad. Like, she's determined that she's been mad long enough. She really wants to make it work, and she needs to, like, let it go and not... Okay. I'm Jody sorry. does a good, pretty good job. We just didn't get to the part where we, <laughs> Jody had a moment. Uh, Jody's the best character. I'm going to argue. So I, far. I, I, I want to apologize to Jody. I didn't. I I was just so used to characters in these books making bad decisions and sticking <laughs> with them that I did not expect her to have such a quick and enlightened turnaround. Yeah. Other than that part where she got really angry and threw the chair, she's been doing pretty well. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the Jody I was remembering. It's like the one who's like gossiping to her friends about how much Janie's and trying to like. She had a hard time at the beginning, you know, but that's teenage years are hard. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad she has come around. I did not expect that because again, every character in these books has remained largely terrible. Yeah. I think Joni and Janie have some big turnarounds on Book. It's you nice. say Joni? Jody and Janie. Okay. I might have said Joni because JD and it's hard. But Joni Mitchell <laughs> showed up in this book. That'd be amazing. We could just call them Joni when they're together. Okay, that's a good idea. So Janie tells her that she and all the siblings are always so nice to her and her parents and they're like her friends when they're over. And when she was visiting them, she never did that. Like she realizes that she was like kind of mean to everybody and standoffish. Aww. And Jody suggests, well, like you could start, you know, like it's never too late to start being nice to everybody. And yeah, stop being a jerk. It's easy. Yeah. And that her parents aren't even calling her Jenny anymore. You know, they've they've allowed her to go by the name of Janie and they're not like trying to push the, the old name on her and she could give them like because they gave her that gift that they're not trying so hard to like indoctrinate her into their family that she could give them some kind of metaphorical gift like calling them mom and dad and maybe that would you know make her feel like it was more balanced Aww. yeah and Janie she thinks on it but she doesn't feel quite up for that yet and she changes the topic about school and moving to Boston and all that stuff so but they have a little moment her and Jody. So. Joni has a moment. Joni has a moment. Got it. <laughs> that night at dinner, Jody's feeling very motivated by like the conversation they had, and they're it seemed like they're getting along a bit better. She really wants to get to know like the the Janie that she sees at her house. You know, that's like the carefree, nicer Janie. Sure. Wants to get to know that Janie better. So she suggests to the family that Jody come with her to Boston and check out colleges too. They have a really nice hotel at like the Marriott or something, and they could you know stop in and see Reeve while they're there. And her parents agree that she can skip school and go down. Okay. And then there's this really funny line where um, Janie gets to sit in the front seat of the car and Brian's like bemoaning the fact that he has to sit in the back seat. And he says the line, the longer you've been on Earth, the more front seat you get. (laughs) 
I thought that was funny. As I, an, as the oldest of all the children in my family, I thought that was really funny. Oh, uh, okay. I see. You're biased is what you're saying here. I was like, yeah, that's true. Uh, you have a vested interest. I, I think you have to recuse yourself from the Supreme Court case of front seat getter. It's true, though, as like an older, sibling. as an older sibling or older whatever, you know, oldest cousin, oldest group member of your family, you often get the front seat because you are the oldest. <laughs> and you don't, they don't get to argue. They have to just go sit in the back. It's like the one bonus because you have all the responsibility, but you get the front oh, seat. Oh, Bamono, poor oldest sibling. <laughs> you don't know what that's like, Sam. <laughs> yeah, let cry me a river. <laughs> you don't get the front seat. I I do. I did anyway, because I didn't put up with that nonsense. <laughs> Beat him up and sit in the front. Call him Shotgun, Danielle. You know the rules of the road? First person to call we Shotgun. We weren't a big Shotgun it. family. We were just like, I'm the oldest I can sit in front. They always fine. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why none of your siblings like you. <laughs> that's not true. They love me. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, then, too. Mostly. <laughs> oh, there it is. So in the car, Jody tells the story of going to New York to try and find Hannah, and Janie doesn't understand why they would do that. Because if they yeah. found Hannah, they'd have to have like a trial and it'd be on the news. And like, why would you want it? Why? Why would you want to everyone yeah. through this? Yeah, and it's not resolved. They're just they kind of have like a not an argument, but a detailed a disagreement, car, yeah, disagreement yeah. conversation in the in the car. So they finally make it to the hotel for the night, and Janie suggests that they listen to Reeve on the radio, because she knows he's been a DJ, but he just doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, dear. <laughs> How could this go wrong? Yeah, the hotel's not too far from campus, so the radio should be able to pick it up. So they find the station, and they're listening to the Assassinate a Question group. Assassinate a Question. Yeah, I forgot. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Waiting for a show to begin. Now, unfortunately for Reeve... <laughs> Oh, I'm so sad for Reeve. That, I mean, it's such a pity that he gets caught out in his BS. This is the episode where he decided to say that Janie went back to Connecticut because she only had a limited amount of love, and she loved the Connecticut parents more than she loved the New Jersey parents. What the? <laughs> what? And then he goes on. Wait, 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 wait. Well, we got, we got. I know you're going to say more terrible things, Danielle. We'll get to them, but we got. I mean, I want to address this again. Love is not a finite resource, so that's nonsense. Hmm. And B, Reeve, you monster. Right, and Janie did express that in the book. Like she was like, I don't yeah. know, I don't know if I have enough love to go around. That's not something you say on air. Yeah, and then she quickly, I think she got over that and figured out how to like make it work. Yeah, she's like trying to make it work right now. Obviously, yeah, just crazy. And she, he also goes into the kind of the Hannah story a little bit about it. So he goes on to talk about the evil of Hannah and like her story and evil. Of, we don't know what anything about her. her. That's we don't, what he calls we don't her. Literally nothing. Yeah. Well, Jody's incensed. Like I think Janie's more in shock, and Jody is like furious. And, yeah. And she's yeah. she says, "I'm the oldest. I have to set an example. I'll kill him." <laughs> that was like the best line. I laughed so hard. <laughs> that is legitimately great. Yeah. <laughs> Janie realizes, realizes, obviously, that Reeve has sold her out. And she was upset about a page in the yearbook, and here he is over here in Boston, like, using her for entertainment for the entire city. Two-faced, no-good scum. Yeah, it's terrible. And Brian feels like he needs to do something, because he's just, like, you know, trapped between these two sisters. And what, Jody's gonna kill him, you're fine. Don't worry about it. He's, <laughs> she's got it taken care of. Nope, she, he calls the radio station on the number that they provide. 
Oh, what? You're not going to like start a fight with him live on air? It's not live. So the calls aren't live. They are after it. Um, they're only recorded if they're kind of like weird calls, but otherwise they're just... And this won't be a weird call, I'm sure. Well, so the phone rings at the station. Like I said, these aren't live, but Reeve takes it. And it's a woman on the other line, not a college kid or even Brian or you know somebody. It's somebody that's older. And the sp- It's Hannah? The speech is slurred like the person has had too much drink. And Reeve, no. Reeve asks who she is, and she tells him that she's Hannah. No. <laughs> no. No, Danielle, I refuse. No. <laughs> so supposedly, Han- the supposedly Hannah, we don't know for sure, obviously, if this yeah. is Hannah or not, but uh, so-called Hannah asks him to tell her one thing, but before she can say what it is, and before he realizes he be- he's even done it, he disconnects the line in a panic. What a ab- like, oof, he's made every bad choice. <laughs> the phone rings again, and this time, it's Brian. <laughs> yeah, okay. He tells him that they heard the episode, and JD is with them, and he's like, you better get over here, and gives them the hotel information. Oh, I'm sure she's gonna love seeing him at this moment. Oh yeah, Janie's like, don't, what, no, I don't want to see him. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? <laughs> Brian, you're not doing any better with her wants. You're just putting your... Uh... <laughs> he just thought it would help. So he's panicked, obviously, Reeve. And Janie, as I said, does not want to see him, but it's obviously too late. He's been invited, and this is before cell phones. So it's not like you can call back and be like, never mind, don't come. And they contemplate whether or not they should tell the parents about what's going on, but decide it's already been, like, it's too much of a mess, and it would kind of hurt everybody. So they decide not to say anything to the parents at this time. Sure, sure, sure. So Reeves' shift ends, and he heads to the hotel unwillingly and shows up. Oh, in I bet room. he's unwilling. <laughs> he really does want to be there. Jody tells him that he sold them, that he took their story, the hardest parts, the insider stuff, the things that hurt the most, and he sold it. Good job, Jody. Yeah, you tell him. <laughs> and he sort of understands the gravity of the situation, kind of for the first How time. How did he not grasp this before? I don't know. It's like, I told you he was kind of living in this world where he was just like excited by the prospect of becoming like bigger and bigger in his field that he loved like he was totally disregarding the fact that he was doing this terrible thing because it made him feel good essentially if i had a dollar every time someone said that <laughs> so he, like i said he kind of like finally now that he's seen the the reaction of people obviously he realizes the the situation that he's put himself in and what he's done and he apologizes obviously many times but it's too late you know it's out of the yeah. world yeah, no duh. And does he mention getting a call from Hannah and all the trauma that's going to bring up? No, he I does bet not. not. He does not at all. Of course not. No. He admits that it just kind of snowballed, and he was in love with his own voice and being important, daydreaming of fame, and it just hadn't felt real. So he just kept doing it and didn't fully realize what he was doing, I guess, or allow himself to realize is probably more accurate. They tell him that he's never allowed to speak about it again because they're not going to tell the parents that he can't tell anybody in the family because they've all agreed. And Janie tells him not to come over to her house anymore or call if, he's, if they're home at the same time. And Reeve begs her not to do that, to let them speak alone, that he still loves her. And Janie's like, mm, it's not true because if you liked me, if you even just liked me, you would not have done this. Valid. And I, I admit that people can do terrible things to people they love, but like, man, that is... There are consequences for that. <laughs> right. And I think it's totally valid that, I mean, whether or not they stay together in the long term, they she has every right to be like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Or possibly ever again. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, at the very least, she needs your space. Yeah. And he's just like, no, we can't break up. So Brian leads him out of the room. 
And Reeve walks for quite a while. He hadn't brought any money for a taxi, and all the public transportation is out for the night. And he finds himself back at the radio station. There's a new hire who wanted to start because of his Janie's and was, you know, brought into the radio station because of that. He wants to be, like, part of the Janie story? What do you want to do? Like, he has nothing to contribute. No, it's not that she wants to be part of the Janie story. It's just that she got interested in radio listening to him, like, ah, kind of. Okay. And so she, now she wants She's to She's a bandwagon her. jumper. Yeah. She's being shown around the radio station, and the station manager introduces them and tells her how the machines work, and, you know, they have all the Janies on tape. Isn't this amazing? This is the guy who did the Janies. Here's all the Janies on tape. The Janies. Jeez. <laughs> and he confide, confides to her that they're, and to him, because he's in the room, that they're going to sell them. They syndicate them to hundreds of radio stations. Can they do that legally without, I guess, the copyright on that belongs to whom? It's a... Tough question. I don't know. Might be the radio station. Maybe you sign your life away when you go on radio. I don't know how that That's works. That's true. So Reeve has a bit of a panic attack, obviously, at the idea that, like, stuff's not only going to be within a few blocks of here, it's not going to be, like, in all of potentially the country. I mean, unless he's getting a big cut of that check, maybe he shouldn't care. Well... Maybe we'll see what happens. So when they wander off to continue the tour, he steals an old book bag that's on a shelf and he fills it with all the tapes and leaves. He's trying to figure out to how he can quit the doing the Janies and still answer the phones because he wants to be able to, if he Hannah calls back, he wants to be able to like take the call. Uh-huh. Should have thought of that earlier. Should have. But he takes the bag of tapes and he walks over to the bridge that's over the Charles River and he throws the tapes into the water. That's not how you destroy tapes. That's how you get someone to fish them out later and then, like, <laughs> listen to them. Well, they'd have to find them. I mean, they'd have to wash ashore, I guess, which maybe will happen in the next book. Who knows? <laughs> no, you look, tapes are not robust. They're pretty easy to destroy. Just smash them and, like, tear up the tape. Like, come on, yeah, dude. Yeah, got some tape. You'd be good. So the next day, the crew decides, uh, the crew, meaning Brian and Jody and Janie. The, the radio crew, I got it. <laughs> no, Brian and Jody and Janie. <laughs> oh, that crew. Now I was confused, Danielle. <laughs> so that's why I clarified, because I realized how that sounded. Decided to go explore Boston. And they find the tapes washed up in the Charles River. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they, they only do it because they're there, and they can't go home early, because they'd have to explain why they're home early. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, well, we don't want to go to campus, obviously, so... Why don't we just wander around Boston? And Brian's kind of excited about it because he was trying to figure out how to convince his sisters to go explore, you know, all these historical sites in Boston. Now he's got a perfect opportunity. Nerd. <laughs> so Jody doesn't want to go to the school there anymore. Just want doesn't want to go to school in Boston anymore because it's kind of been tainted for him. But yeah, I bet. She keeps uh, one of her interviews at one of the local schools. Janie suggests that she keeps it just so she has something to tell her mom and dad. So it's like she doesn't have to lie about every single thing <laughs> when they go back and they like, how did Boston <laughs> go? Fair. <laughs> she yeah. can like talk about the one interview she had and brian and jody are amazed what she says she's like why don't you keep that interview so you don't have to lie to mom and dad and brian and jody are amazed that she said mom and dad without thinking about it like she had included Aww. them and janie's surprisingly pleased at how she didn't have to think about it so she has progress and i'm excited for her yay janie yay janie go janie it sounds like it cartoon show so she makes it home finally she goes home so it's thanksgiving break is upcoming no yes hang on make up your mind sorry i was thinking about later so she makes it home after boston and everything at the house of course now reminds her of reeve and she realizes that reeve may not have been worth it in the end but she feels like maybe the trip was worth it because she got closer to jody and brian and she didn't have to think about you know her parents calling them mom and dad so she feels like they kind of had like a moment a bonding moment because of yeah her her siblings stood up for her they all bonded through trauma great yep 
So she answers her parents' questions about Boston and heads back to her room. And her parents kind of wonder at her lack of, you know, commenting about being able to see Reeve for the first time in a while. Or I guess she just saw them. But, you know, why wouldn't the girl talk about Reeve? And they're like, well, maybe it's cooling down, you know? Like, that's what happens when one goes to college and one stays in high school. Yeah, long distance is hard. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're pretty, they're a little too close. So maybe it's for the best anyways that they're not together, potentially together anymore. So back in New Jersey, Brian isn't eating his dinner that night when they get home, but nobody seems to notice. And his parents, who used to be really observant and obviously like obsessed with their kids, seem to have turned a new leaf and nobody seems to notice that anything is off with their kids. (laughs) Wait, Brian is the one who went to Boston, right? Right. So he's not eating his dinner, but his parents haven't even noticed that he hasn't eaten his dinner. Okay. And neither does his twin. So he's like, wow, that's like a whole different world here now. And they do mention that Janie's having some problems with Reeve, but the parents seem to be totally fine with that. They're like, well, they were too close anyway, so it's probably for the best. (laughs) How dare they have a good relationship? They need to have some separation. (laughs) Yeah, it's very weird. So they wonder if she'll, if Janie's going to come down during, or come up, come around, come down. I think we're Connecticut. When she comes around. That's (laughs) from that era, right? (laughs) Sure. Come down during Thanksgiving break to visit. And Jody's like, well, let me call and ask her. I'm sure she won't come on Thanksgiving Day. Obviously, she'll probably spend that with the family in Connecticut. But maybe she could come down Friday or Saturday or something. Do Black Friday with us so we can trample some other shoppers. Exactly. I'm sure. As a family. I highly doubt they do Black Friday shopping given their history of kidnapping. (laughs) So they have some quality sister bonding time on the phone about how crappy Reeve is. Because he is. He's trash. (laughs) He's trash. Even if he, like, reforms, you can never trust him again. It's horrible. It would be really hard to trust him again. And Reeve ends up calling her for, like, the fourth time to talk to her, and he gets a little call-waiting, you know, note on her phone. And you mean the, the busy the tone? Little, no, he gets, like, the, she has call-waiting because she's fancy, Sam, and so... Oh, my gosh. I never remembered the 90s and all those technologies. <laughs> so she gets, like, like cell phones, too, when somebody calls through, and it's like, beep, beep, hey, somebody's calling through on the phone, and you can... Man, look. technology was so cool in the 90s. <laughs> And she does end up taking the call, and he basically is like, I'm having a really hard time, too. And Janie's like, man, I don't care. Second up, Buttercup. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. Stop calling. <laughs> You're having a hard time because of what you did to me? <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a jerk. I'm a whiny jerk. So Reeve bows out of coming home for Thanksgiving, so that's the upcoming holiday. He tries it with a lie, like a, well, I have some friends here and they want to do a Thanksgiving thing and I really love to a go Friendsgiving. with them. A Friendsgiving. But his mom catches on and assumes that he must have had some kind of fight with Janie and doesn't want to run into her. And she's like, that's okay. They were too, they were too serious anyway. It might be good for them to get some Why is that a theme among the adults? What is going on? I don't know, but three separate sets of adults are like, this was good. They were too close. And I was like, what a weird thing to think. Absolutely wild. Like, like, oh, I'm sorry. She aliens? had a good. They're part- aliens. She had a good partner during this very traumatic event in her life that was there for her until he wasn't. Is, are all the adults aliens? Is that what's going on here? Are they like some kind of like human zoo, and they are the caretakers, it and they're not doing a very good job of it. Feels like it sometimes. Yeah. But she's like, she's a good, she's like, that's good. He should date some other girls and, you know, get around and see if maybe it's, if it's something he actually so wants or not. <laughs> exactly that. Gross. You know, 90s Gross. man. So she feels, she feels good about him, you know, having potentially broken up with JD, but also that's not an excuse and he's better come home for Thanksgiving or else. <laughs> oh, okay. 
So the next day, he has to tell the guys at the station that he's giving up on the Janies, and they guess immediately that JD must have found out. And the station manager doesn't see the problem, because he's like, well, if you- Because he's not a good person. Yeah, he's like, if you've broken up, then you can do the Janies. Like, the damage is done, dude. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, but it doesn't make you a better person. Like, there's still, like, the mm, ethics, dude. <laughs> ethics in journalism. No, apparently not. He wants to be famous. The station manager's, like, super set on the idea that this is going to, like, launch the radio station in his career. He's putting all his eggs in the Janie basket. 100%. And he's basically like, you don't have anything more to lose, so this problem's not a problem. And Reeves like, I promised I wouldn't do any more. And the manager points out that he didn't keep promises to her when they were dating, so why do it no. now? <laughs> This is, he He has some really terrible logic. You were doing terrible things before, so why don't you keep doing terrible things? Like, that's not how that works. Nope, but that's what he's saying. So, to his surprise, the jealous DJ is the one who gets the most worked up because he basically had to give up his hour so that Reeve could, you know, go all, go all in on this and Reeve became more famous. And he admits that Reeve's a better, you know, DJ than he is. And so, he can't believe that he would just give up this spot when he... You know, he had to give up his own for him, and how dare you, like, go make me go through all that and now give up. I sacrificed <laughs> so you could be famous. Basically. None of this matters if the ethics are wrong. Like, guys, guys, ugh. <laughs> so he insists that he comes back after the holidays and, like, starts it up again, end of story. Like, he does not have a choice. He does have a choice. He very much has a choice. He 100% has a choice. And he's going to make the wrong choice. I don't know. We'll find out. No, he will. So the station manager follows him back to his dorm. Because he's like, no, you're going to do it. Like, you've got to do it. You can't back out now. And he gets the local band assassin you a question. If he's been... <laughs> <laughs> to assassin him the question of will you keep doing it? Yeah. Uh, apparently, they're about to potentially be signed by a big label, and they need him not to give up. Because the plan was to do a live genie at one of the clubs and bring in the crowds that way. And then they would perform at that live genie. And the record... I mean, how are they going to get signed if, like, their music isn't enough? <laughs> I mean... Well, I think the idea is that the record record execs would think that like that crowd was big enough that the crowd was there for them as well and so it was like oh they're pretty popular like there's a reason to sign them not just their music because they've already been interested in the music but they're like they want to do a good showing they don't want like 10 people there at their concert this is all very contrived is what i'm saying 100 also i love that they hadn't told reeve about any of this yet <laughs> like, right, he was supposed no. to do a live for jd had no idea so they're just convinced that the more people that are there the more likely they are to be signed so they try they try to convince him that it could be their shot as well and like they, he can't give up just because it would ruin them also. Well, maybe you should try to make it on your own, guys. Yeah. And then the also the station manager is like, you know, you're you could be pretty big. Like you have the skills and ability to be really good at this job, so don't give up because it's like your one chance at this career, essentially. It's amazing how your one chance at this career just involves you betraying the people you care about the most. Yeah. What a what a what a worthwhile career <laughs> in radio DJing. <laughs> And so, the narrator of the book, or maybe Reeves' internal monologue, it's a little unclear, lets us know that this is basically Reeves' first encounter with willpower. And he's having a, he's on the struggle bus. He's having a hard time. <laughs> I've never had to resist anything before. Oh, man. No, Peer like, pressure. Seriously, What's yeah. that? Like, his life's always been easy. He's never got to do what he wants to. He's well off. Like, he's never had Whatever any real problems. Whatever empathy I had for Reeves is evaporating. <laughs> So he does say no repeatedly, to his credit, and the station manager reminds him that he's making a big sacrifice for someone who won't talk to him anymore. 
and isn't going to give him any points for doing it. So, like, what does it even matter? She tells you a lot about the station manager. Yeah, why is he allowed to manage the station? Is he, is he like, a professor or another student? He's just, I think, like, an older student or something. Maybe he's okay, he hired on I, to I don't run know if he was, like, the, uh, the, the actual, you know, mentor or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, you know it's unclear. I think he's definitely older than him, but I don't know if he's just, like, somebody they've hired to run the station or if it's, right. like, a, it's like, a senior student that runs it. I don't know. And maybe it if tells it is you. a hired person, he needs to be fired immediately. Yeah, he, it's wild. No. <laughs> so Reeves, even though Reeves held up so far, he's convinced he's just going to, he'll eventually fall for it. Like his self-worth will get so demoralized over the holidays because he'll be around his family. And as we mentioned in previous books, his, his siblings are pretty, like they're lawyers and doctors. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's just going to feel like by the time he gets back that somebody telling him he's good at something will make him submit to their demands. Like he's not convinced he's going to hold up when he comes back from the holidays. Guess who could really use that? Therapy. Reeve, like everyone <laughs> in this book. It's wild, man. Amazing how they all have this really good understanding of their own psychological failings, but no motivation or tools to address them. <laughs> Which would really help if they had a therapist to like walk them through it. Yeah, like, oh, you're having willpower issues and self-worth issues. That's something a therapist could really help you resolve <laughs> so you would no longer be susceptible to that kind of peer pressure to do terrible things. Which you're doing actively. Actively. Uh, so the other DJ finds him and asks if he's coming to a shift that night because it's like right before the holidays. If not to talk, you know, on the radio to at least answer the phones or do some busy work or something, because I'm sure the DJ wants him to come to I'm the sure station. I'm sure he wants to answer the phones like, and maybe hear Hannah. Right. So he does want to talk to Hannah again, but is afraid that if he goes, he'll end up doing another Janie, like he'll give in. But he imagines the fame and glory of finding a kidnapper, like how big that would be. He's just having kind of a little daydream of like, that would well, be crazy. Big for whom? Him. Jane doesn't for want him. you to find her. Janie wants you to leave well enough alone. <laughs> well, he's having that the two thoughts in his head. Apparently, the only thing he has in his head is two thoughts, not a single one more. So he ends up going home for Thanksgiving. I assume he didn't go. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about it. He goes home for Thanksgiving and decides to corner Janie when her parents are around because he desperately wants to talk to her. She refuses to talk to him. and he, Yeah, that's going to go well. Yeah, and he thinks basically... He's kind of this thing where like he assumes that if the parents are around, like they she'll go talk to him because she doesn't want to admit yet that they've broken up or whatever. But also she he's convinced that she can kind of ground him or like give him some kind of like resolution or help him in some way. Like figure out his brain. Yeah, relax. like his brain is like so frazzled that he feels Isn't like that she just can like help. a man always relying on women to help them be strong. Seriously, what are you even doing, Reeve? <laughs> Behind every great, well, I guess he's not great. Behind every awful man is a is a woman really trying to get away from him. <laughs> really, like you could do better, man. <laughs> Way better. They go for a drive because again, she's forced into going with him, and she tells him that she doesn't want to talk, and she's going to tell her parents that he found another girlfriend in Boston, which will explain why they aren't communicating anymore. And he's like, "Well, I don't want to break up, and also I just want not to your choice, buddy." Yeah, and he's like, "Also, I'm planning to quit college. It's the only way I won't go back on the radio." And He's like, that's the only way. Yeah, she's welcome to JD's head. She's like flabbergasted. Like, what a man child. What you ever see in him? <laughs> He's like, you love, she's like, you loved selling me so much that the only way to quit the radio station is to quit college. <laughs> like, you can't stand up to that. <laughs> Amazing. The willpower of a child. Yeah. 
And he's like, well, he wants to explain the pressure on him, the anger from his friends, how he couldn't live with that for three more years. But she basically carries on and says, you are nothing compared to your brothers and sisters. Like, they're Oof. they're out there trying to do good in the world, and you are destroying the good in the world. And you don't, That is low blow. I know. And, and he's like, and you don't even have the guts to face it. And he's like, consider my virtues, not my vices. And she's like, no, take me home. <laughs> To be fair, he deserved it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he didn't deserve that. I'm just saying that is devastating. That is a finishing move. Yeah. Well, I mean, he took yeah. her deepest, like, no. thoughts. Again. Of, oh, my God. I can't even. I'm not saying it wasn't <laughs> warranted. No, no problem. I'm just saying that it was, inc- like, that was surgical in yeah. her dissection of his ego. <laughs> she didn't take the high road, for sure. So, he admits he was weak, and he says it was like being offered gold. Like, and it was gold and he was gold and he'd never had that success before. He'd never had people treat him like a celebrity or, you know, his parents Maybe always- Maybe you're earning it, buddy. Well, his parents always kind of, you know, compared him to his siblings. And so it was like the first time he felt like he had something that was his and he knew he shouldn't do it. And that is, it was her story that was success- successful and not specifically him. But Janie doesn't budge, which good for her. Good for her. Stand by your guns, but don't stand by your man. So she realized kind of has this like mental- processing thought that she's relied too heavily on Reeve during this whole process. A little bit. Yeah, she was using him to kind of run her life. Like, she didn't want to make the decisions and didn't want to think too hard about stuff, and she was kind of using him as a crutch. And she had planned her entire life around being an accessory to Reeve because she didn't want to manage her own life in the future. Which is, go dating back to, which is why I told you about the stupid wedding stuff. (laughs) And living on a yacht. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if your whole goal is to be a trophy wife, to reeve, you gotta reassess your your goals, man. Right. It was just because she felt like he could, you know, manage and she didn't have to do it because she'd been right. s- she'd been so afraid that she was going to ruin her life with, like, her parents to die with I, Yeah, Hannah I get it. They all need the therapy. She had codependency issues. He's a terrible person. I get it. All right. All right they all need therapy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything you're saying, Danielle, is just they need therapy they in do. a different way. <laughs> I can't help it. That's the whole book. <laughs> I just said, I get it. It's incredible how messed up they all are and how much they know they're messed up and how little they do to rectify it. I, and even though apparently before. she's been going to counseling, it does not, well, it seems to be helping her. It does not even helping anybody else. Right. I mean, it's like, oh, she's going to counseling. It's helping. Well, we won't send anyone else to counseling. That would be too much. So he tries to bring up quitting college with his parents later that day, and it goes about as well as you'd expect. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't tell him why, obviously. Um, he kind of makes up some, some stuff about about it. But they tell him he has to finish his freshman year there at the very least, and then maybe he can transfer. But he's definitely not quitting college. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say, we can transfer. That's an option. Well, it's not like he had another backup plan. He just was like, well, I'll go work at the Minute Market or whatever he was the like gas station or something like that was his backup Reeve, plan. my guy. So I can I mean, see why yes. they buckled out. It wasn't like he's like, I, well, I want to study this and I don't have to go to college for that. You know? <laughs> like- <laughs> Reeve, I know you made terrible choices. Don't compound that making more terrible choices. Yeah. So he basically tells him that college wasn't what he thought it was going to be and he's not who he thought he would be. And his mother's like, try harder, which is good parenting <laughs> as always. <laughs> good, good parenting. I'm yeah, sorry you're having a hard. crisis in your 18-year-old body who doesn't understand anything because you've never been alone in the world. You know, try harder. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, you're not trying hard enough to not have psychological issues. <laughs> Wild. 
parenting is terrible in this story. A lot of things are terrible in this story. All right, so by the end of the weekend, he's exhausted by his siblings and his family. But before it wraps up, Lizzie takes him aside. Lizzie, his lawyer sister, takes I remember her. Mm, takes him but, a- again. Much like her brother, she assumed she could do things she probably was unqualified to do. Yeah, I'm very like, confused because yeah. I really, like, believe that in one of the earlier books they mentioned that she's, like, getting her law degree or in the process of uh-huh. it or is, like, the early stages of being a lawyer. And then, like, they talk about her like she's a lawyer in this book. And I'm like, is she what, – what is her job? <laughs> Either way, helping Janie's complex kidnapping situation – not being a family law lawyer, wildly irresponsible. Yeah, she's like litigation or something crazy. Like, it's nothing related. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a pattern in this family, yeah. is what I'm saying. So, Lizzie takes him aside and tells him that she found out that the cult Hannah was in appears to have made their money with drug smuggling prior to dissolving. I wonder if that's of course, true. Sure. I'm, Why not? I assume that's probably true. I don't know enough about the Harakishnas to, like, tell you. Okay. I mean, what do I know? I'll buy it. And basically, her law firm has been involved, and she happened to get access to some of the files. So, long story... And she found Hannah! Yeah, long story short, she found Hannah. <laughs> but, Hannah's dead. She died five years ago. So, who called Reeves? I don't know. We'll maybe find out, probably, in future books. Oh, no! <laughs> so, Reeves obviously deeply relieved, afraid that he was like... He was afraid that obviously he was about to start something new up with this whole thing, because he decided to go on the radio and tell the entire story. Hannah's death has not been told to the Johnsons yet. They haven't been notified. And she assumes because they may not realize there's a connection quite yet. Like, it's just still kind of making its way down the pipeline. Okay. Um, But he's not allowed to tell anyone. She just wanted to share it because she was really relieved about the news. And Hannah was such a threat to their kind of tentative stability that, you know, the family had going on. And she knew she could trust him. I'm sure he won't talk about this on the radio. (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. Or not. Janie goes to New Jersey for the rest of the Thanksgiving weekend to spend time with the Springs, and it goes well, and she surprises herself by telling her spring mom what actually happened in Boston. So Wow. I know. Big step for Janie. Good job. I guess. I mean, now her now her spring mom was like, you sound like you could really use some therapy, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Let's go back to that counselor. Yeah, right? We're going to get you the mental health you need to get over this betrayal and trauma. They need family therapy. They need a lot of therapy for all different ways, Danielle. <laughs> so the spring mom says, Janie, uh, to go on in this world, you have to let painful things become history. History has a certain beauty. You can leave things there. Your kidnapping is history. Hannah is history. Those last 12 years in our family, their history. I think it's Reeve's turn to be history. Boo. I mean, yes. <laughs> Yay to Reeve being gone, but like, oh, you have trauma? Just don't think about it. That's that's her answer. And then let make it make make your past traumas into beautiful history is terrible advice. Well, apparently it works for Janie because she realizes that she's stronger than she thinks. And it's one of the things that the Spring family gave her. It's like uh, an inherited trait. Yay! So she makes it back at the end of the weekend. She catches Reeve's family. They're all leaving um, after the holidays. And she says goodbye to them all. And then realizes that while she found her strength, Reeve has found his weakness. Like, he, he realizes that he's not as good as he thought he was. And Reeve bumblingly tries to talk to her. And she realizes that she can't hide from everything and is stronger than that. So she just, the ending of the book, Sam, I'm sorry. Yeah. So she takes his hand and tells him that they need to talk. Oh, they need to talk. She loves those cliffhanger endings. She this, really this does. <laughs> well, knowing you have a series, I guess, you're like, well, that's fine. I can pick it up in the next book and not tell you about prom. <laughs> Wild. 
All right. Well, I guess that's the voice in the radio. Another book full of terrible decisions. That seems to be the theme for <sighs> these books. Reeve, man. You had no personality, and then look what you did. Well, I mean, here's the problem with all our characters. And, you know, whenever they get personalities, they're always terrible personalities. Yeah. It's What's rough. That? I don't know. But I'm sure Hannah won't have a great personality either if we ever meet her. <laughs> uh-huh. You think? <laughs> Which I assume is coming, perhaps. What's the What's the next one called? Hannah shows up. Is the name of the next book? I mean, it could be not Hannah. It could be somebody faking Hannah. I mean, we don't know sure. if Hannah actually died or not. Fair enough. I mean, what's the next book called, though? Is it called... Let's find out. The Peanut Butter in the Milkshake. So we have the face of the milk carton. We have the second one I can't remember the name of. Whatever happened to Jenny. Whatever happened to Janie. Jenny. Whatever. Janie. And then we have the voice on the radio. His next one, the static on the TV. The toe... On the shortwave. I'm so confused by this series. What are you confused about, Dan? You're the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the you next one. You should be the one, least confused of the two of us. Based on the milk card, whatever happened to Janie, the voice on the radio, and then what Janie found, supposedly. What Janie found. That's that, not a great title, I'll be honest. Voice on the radio, pretty good title. These series seem to alternate to be having good titles, Face on the Milk Carton, and then bad titles, like Whatever Happened to Jenny and... What Jenny found, Jeannie found. Yeah, they're not, not a great title. Crazy, really. No. All right. Well, that was certainly a book, Danielle. I can't believe <laughs> uh, Reeve had so little awareness and is such a weak little man baby. I, I know. Am just upset the literal about his character. worst. <laughs> the terrible. No, like very few, if any, redeeming qualities. Apparently, he really made that heel turn really abruptly. I know. I was not pleased. Yeah, you really liked him, didn't you? No, I didn't really like him. He had absolutely no personality or, like, three-dimensional, <laughs> you know, whatever in the first couple of books. But I was rooting for them. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll all patch it up in the next book. Maybe. It's quite possible. Well, if anyone out there has a suggestion for a, a story they were told in confidence they want to share with us, they can reach out to us at bookretorts.com. We promise we won't share it with the world. <laughs> you can also tweet Instagram or Facebook us at bookretorts. And if you want to support our own investigative journalism to uncover people's secrets they don't want to have broadcast and share with everybody, you can do so at patreon.com slash bookretorts. Patreon! Caveat, we're not actually that terrible. We won't do that. <laughs> we'll just take your money and run. <laughs> Other than that, we're not terrible. Not at all. Well, until next time, when we find out whatever Janie found, I guess, maybe it's Hannah. We'll see. Until then, please, please don't share your loved one's cherished secrets with the world on a radio show for a chance of fame from college students. Yeah, please don't. That'd be terrible. Also, we'll be selling tickets and t-shirts for Assassin' You a Question at our next <laughs> event. <laughs> If you would like to donate to our Patreon so that we can get Assassin You a Question going. Yeah, we'd love to do some Assassin You a Question t-shirts. We'll if have you them at our own. stadium show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If you want to fund our stadium show, you can donate several million dollars to our Patreon. That'd be perfect. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be our winner thing. What could go wrong? Well, until then, bye. Take care, everybody. Danielle, 
Imagine you were a young child reading these books in real time and having to end on cliffhangers and having to wait three years. years. <laughs> How angry would you be? Pretty angry. That's here's yeah, the yeah. worst thing. Okay, 1990 face of book, 1993, then 1996, then 2000, then 20 yeah, four years, then 2012, and 2013. 